Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bob Catch Podcast. I am Don. I am Scott. And uh, we are still journeying through the book of Hosea. And we just had our pre-production meeting. Right. And discovered we did not get as far as we wanted to. I was ready for chapter two and Don's like, I don't think we made it that far. I was like, really? And then he's like, he listened. He was like, oh, we got through five. Okay. So it shouldn't take us quite as long to get through Hosea as it did Deuteronomy. Um, especially, no promises. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if we can't get through chapter three in one sitting, that's like a really short yeah, one. Yeah, that's... I, I have not read three yet. I've I haven't studied three yet, but I did see... Yeah. Because it was... Yeah. There's a couple of pretty short chapters, and I think Hosea is some of the one of the longer minor prophets also, isn't it? Yeah, he's 10 chapters, and I think he might be the longest. Okay. Um, most... Of, I think I said it. I don't know if I said it last one or not. Like Habakkuk or Habakkuk, mm-hmm. depending on how you say it, is like a chapter, I think. Right. And Joel is short. Malachi's four chapters, maybe. So yeah, they're all pretty, pretty short. Cheat cheat. No, I was gonna at least let our listeners know kind of what we discovered yesterday or yesterday. Yesterday. Last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometime whenever late we last met. <laughs> Two weeks ago. Um. Just when we get back into Hosea and we're talking about kind of the timeline of, of where Hosea fits within the the world of prophets and that sort of thing. Um, so we actually, um, there is a, if you go to, I think it's casketempty.com. Um, I can I can do your fact check while you... Uh, all right, so casketempty.com. Um, they actually have an Old Testament timeline. And in this Old Testament timeline, um, it actually goes throughout the history of, of Israel um, within the Old Testament. Um, and on the timeline, you can kind of see where the major prophets are. You can see where the minor prophets are and kind of where they fit within the time frame um, from basically... Um, the, the 12 tribes of Israel to, to where it, it started with King, uh, David uh, and Solomon to where it split to the northern and southern kingdom. Um, you can see where they fit within the timeline. So Hosea is about halfway through the timeline. You're, you're talking about near the end of um, uh, close to the fall of, of the northern kingdom. And, and maybe about the time of I think last year we talked about or last week we talked about um, around the time of Ahaz, Hezekiah, Uzziah, that sort of thing. And so you can kind of see where where that fits and, and all of the crazy things that are going on both in the northern and southern kingdom during these time periods. So again, that's casketempty.com. That's C-A-S-K-E-T-E-M-P-T-Y.com. Yeah, and this isn't like, um, well, a couple of things. One, uh, we, we're not employed by them. We're no, not we're affiliated not. with them. Um, we may know an artist that mm-hmm. works for them, <laughs> uh, but we don't get a kickback or anything from any of the, so they have a whole store of stuff. So don't think that you're supporting us or that we're, you know, right. Um, second, this is not some chintzy back of the Bible, like cheapo timeline that you might get if you bought a, uh, a study Bible of some kind. This is a legit resource. This is a book's worth of information Oh yeah, on this side. it's really cool, really well done. And actually, they do have a corresponding book that can go with it if you'd like to read that did as not well. Know that. Which I did read the book, and it's actually really good, um, especially if you're kind of a historical junkie and you want to know a little bit more about the context of what's going on um, within the Old Testament during the during well the Old Testament. Um, it's a good <laughs> book to to go along, and the book kind of follows uh, the timeline, but you don't need the book to to see and enjoy the timeline. Um, so 
again, I'm kind of a fan of it. They do have a New Testament version as well. Um, I did not read the New Testament part of Casket Empty. Sounds like um, you. So I, <laughs> I can't really tell you whether that's good or not. Um, but again, it just kind of as we're going through the Old Testament, um, I mean, when we started in Deuteronomy, um, and even especially as we go through the different prophets, sometimes it's kind of cool to see what what is going around in both the northern and southern kingdom um, during this time period, and and what what other things are are you know what what are th- what other leaders are, are are taking charge and and. And it's it's just a good resource to have. So if you yeah. get a chance, pick it up. It is slightly expensive. Um, it's like what ten bucks? It's ten or ten or eleven bucks. Right. I can't remember. So yeah. Like I mean, for a timeline, but but I would say that it's it's well worth the money. Um, but but anyway, so I thought we'd throw that out there. Um, resource wise, um, just kind of a reminder on some of the resources we're using. Um. <clears throat> See, I'm using the IVP um, Old Testament commentary, and it's in my it's in my Amazon wishlist cart. I, oh, yeah, yeah I, w- I will pull the trigger on that someday. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I really like it, and if my Kindle lap oh, lap app yep, my Kindle app loads, um, I'm also using. Yep, still loading. <laughs> Apparently, it doesn't want to load, but I can't pronounce the lady's last name. But it's can I see or uh, oh, here we go. All right. Elizabeth Ackermeyer and it's a minor prophet. <laughs> it's understanding the Bible commentary series. You got that? A C H T E M P I E R Actemeyer. So Yeah, what he said. Liz. <laughs> Hopefully we don't offend her or Yes. If you know her, tell her uh to send us an email at uh, outlook.com with the phonetic pronunciation. <laughs> uh, or if you know it, feel free to send us an email there and uh, tell us what it is right. and what you think. Um, I'm using the uh, Expositor's uh, Bible Commentary by Zondervan. Uh, it's the brown and black covered because there's also an Expositor's Commentary that's very close. I think it's also by Zend- Zondervan. Um uh, as far as my main uh, resource. And then I've got a couple other, I should get them. I've got a couple of uh, handbooks for minor prophets that I will glance through. And I've got a survey of the Old Testament, which is also by Zondervan. Uh, that book is surprisingly cheap if you buy it. Um, okay. I need to learn how to make iMessage shut up. Oh. So um, if you heard that ding, did you hear the ding? I did. I thought okay, dinner yeah. was ready. Yeah. Ding. Um, yeah. Where was that? Oh, the Old Testament survey. It's a surprisingly cheap book, but it's got a nice in-depth overview of every book of the Old Testament. Cool. So um, it was not as helpful in Hosea as I was hoping, (laughs) but it was still nice. Um, Anything by Tremper Longman III, I highly recommend. um, And he does a lot of that Zondervan publishing stuff. Okay. So there you go. Um, And then we'll be using... I don't know, do you should so we were debating earlier. So we found NIV for Hosea has actually been I know we used uh, the ESV a lot for Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And the NIV we've we've kind of enjoyed using a little bit for Hosea, um, just because the ESV takes kind of a word by word translation where the NIV takes kind of a, a phrase by phrase. Um, and there's uh, larger chunks of Hosea that are kind of missing, um, but also there's there's a lot of poetic type of language in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the NIV kind of does a fairly good job of 
um, translating some of that. Not to say that, that they're perfect on that because I found myself still going back to the ESV for various pieces. Um, but at the same time, um, found that the NIV was, was fairly helpful with that. Um, do, do you think we should read from the NIV or the ESV? Or um, You can... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, sorry. All right. Um, you can kick either way you want. Okay. Um, I my commentary has the full text. My wife is asking about my office Christmas party. Um, oh, so, okay. Um, they're not important text, but do you, have an ug- <laughs> do you get an ugly sweater? Uh, no, but that's not a bad idea. Yeah, you should get an ugly sweater. That's what I got. We have a giving tree at work. See, what would this podcast be without banter? I know. Serious. Uh, we, ha- we have a giving <laughs> tree at work, and uh-huh. I bought a basketball, and then we found it at Target cheaper. So the text started with that, like at five o'clock and she's just now starting to respond at seven eighteen about okay. that. So anyway, so it is I can't control the dings people. If you hear <laughs> dings in this podcast is cause I don't know how to shut them up. <laughs> um, yay, Apple. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So NIV, um, my commentary has the full NIV text in it. Okay. Uh, so I definitely hit some of that cause I'll read both between. Right. Um, but what's funny is I've been using the ESV app to grab the screenshots of where I take my notes. Oh, okay. Um, so I can go either, but if you want to read this first part out of the NIV and, um, uh, everybody just know we do both. What, he, what you're saying before, uh, Hosea had some pieces that looked like they had been, uh, destroyed, uh, in the actual manuscripts that we get, uh, our Bibles from. So they were pieced together with more modern translations, more modern Hebrew in certain parts. So it's kind of a messy book. Uh, the NIV in both Deuteronomy and in here seems to hold to the poetic nature of the book a little bit better. Uh, not to say once again that one's better than the other. The word for word is also great to have with the ESV. I feel that it has struggled in spots a little bit in Hosea mm-hmm. in that like... But I'm I'm not saying it's wrong because I'm not a scholar. But sometimes I wonder why did you pick that word? Um, so this episode, let's be different. Okay, we'll take a look at the NIV and we'll we'll bounce back and forth. But for the read aloud part, go ahead and read the NIV. Okay, and and for me, just in my own study, I usually have multiple translations open anyway. Amen. Just because <laughs> I'm I'm just very curious, um, and and most of the time I lean towards the word by word. Um, but I feel it, it's sometimes when, when you're getting into this, that uh, sometimes I feel like the NIV is, um, I don't know, a direction that I end up going sometimes. But but anyway, so I guess this week we'll go ahead and, and continue um, where we left off last week. Uh, we started off with Hosea, gave some background, <coughs> talked about some of the kings um, that were in the southern kingdom, some of them that were in the northern kingdom, um, how especially in the northern kingdom there, there became a lot of corruption right before um, or near the, uh, during part of Hosea's uh, pro- prophecy, um, and that ultimately um, it kind of ended with uh, eventually the, the fall of, of the northern kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, we then um, have Hosea, who was kind of told by God that he's going to marry a whore, um, or a harlot or uh, an adulteress, I guess, whatever translation you, you end up going, uh, yeah, all of those which, words, by the way, once again, we probably won't even get into PG 13, but it could be PG at times. So, yeah. you know, your kids should be okay, but we might say words that you were anticipating, mm-hmm. but we'll try and keep it as, uh, PG at the max. Yeah, and, and you can kind of determine how you want. I know um, I live in a neighborhood that sometimes 
depending on where you're at as you're turning into our neighborhood, um, you have certain women that, that kind of stand out that, that might have a similar occupation as Gomer. Um, the, there was a, I think I told you about it, two years ago when we started Deuteronomy, I mm-hmm. went to the park at the end of your street and I was waiting for you because you were running late or whatever that day. I just kind of chilled out and I was sitting in the car reading or something and somebody knocked on my window and asked if I was interested. And I uh-huh. was like, uh, no, I'm going to be leaving now. Like that was, that was weird to me. I never had that happen before. Yeah, when I first um, moved yeah, to so you, w- nice, safe family neighborhood. <laughs> well, once you pull into the neighborhood, when I first moved here, yeah, yeah and it's like you guys have like a hedge around it of like, yeah, this is a great neighborhood. But if you cross that street, no, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, because we were pulling into the neighborhood one time about a year or two ago, and we're pulling in, and this uh, lady waves at me, and and you can very clearly tell um, who who the prostitutes are, and, <laughs> and this lady, she 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 waves to me, and and. Um, my daughter's like, Daddy, who's that nice woman la- waving at you? And I was like, she's just a friendly neighborhood person. <laughs> um, and I was like, and then I was like, ooh, is she going to go home and tell mom? <laughs> Dad Daddy, says the lady. <laughs> there's a lady waving at Daddy when he came in the neighborhood. Um, he seemed to know her. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so so with that, um, we're, we're, we're kind of... Uh, God kind of told Hosea that, that he was um, going to go ahead and, and marry someone uh, that would have um, be a whore and have whore, whoresome kids, whoredom, whoredom <laughs> kids. What was the language they used? I can't remember. But, yeah, <laughs> she is basically uh, uh, going to be unfaithful to him right. and talk about what a what an exciting way to jump into marriage. Yeah. Uh, something. And <laughs> he, he was obedient. He didn't complain. He just went for it and. And now we started off with his first kid and the other two were not quite sure they were his or not. Um, just do the wording that he's used. And so we're going to jump into kid number two as we enter um, verse six of chapter one. Yes. All right. And you'll go and read it because you have the yep. good reading voice. <laughs> All right. Gomer conceived again, so this would be the second child, and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Ro." For I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but by the Lord their God. So if you're reading the NIV, you have the actual, this is what we were talking about. You have really the more literal... Uh, translation of the phrase there um, in the ESV for some reason they chose no mercy as the translation mm-hmm. um, and when you put it into context though I guess it could go either way but no love seems to make more sense yeah because I, th- I think that what ESV did they use what not pitied is that what I no ESV says no mercy oh, um, no I mercy. will have no mercy on okay. the house of Israel to forgive them at all um, but from what I understand and looking at the phrase and the commentary basically made a really strong case for why it would be no love, because it's not that you're, um, I mean, mercy and love can kind of go hand in hand, but love is more of an all encompassing mm-hmm. and mercy is kind of more of a one shot thing. Right. If that makes sense. So, so I think the better translation was. The um, NIV. Yeah, the NIV, the not loved. Yeah. Um, and then I think another version used not pitied. And so out of all the translations, at least the commentator I used said that not loved was the better translation of that. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, um, it, almost, it almost feels like sometimes the translation committees are like, oh, we got to make it different enough to show that we're smart. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, the idea that you would name your kid not loved is so much more of a kick in the forehead than like no mercy. Because like no mercy now, especially as it reads nowadays, is almost like a, it sounds like a, a WWF wrestler name, you know, like right, no right. mercy Sunday versus the undertaker, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- not loved is like an expression of what is happening here. You will, as, as an example to Israel, like I will not have love for the house of Israel because of what they've done. Well, so, so this is how she defended um, utilizing not loved over the other translations. <coughs> She said, rehem is the Hebrew word for womb, and the verb reham denotes the tenderness of a mother toward a child, or generally the love and sympathy aroused by the need and dependence of another. Mm. Um, so really, by, by saying not loved is, is almost saying that, that I mean, that, that tenderness of a mother, that love and that sympathy, it's not there. Um, so it really is kind of a, a harsh, um, harsh thing to name your kid. Um, wh- wh- if you named your kid not loved or Rahim. Um, and so that's kind of how she defended it. Um, I, okay. And I was just gonna say, I love how she start or how she, I'm sorry, how God starts out with the, uh, I will have no love on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. He says, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah and I will save them. <laughs> it's like rubbing into your brother yeah. or sister. It's like, guess what? You're but, not loved, but. And this is kind of a key when you're reading, especially when you're reading Kings and Chronicles and uh, parts of Second Samuel. Judah, for the most part, remains the faithful one. I mm-hmm. mean, we we uh, did we discuss Hezekiah kind of stumbles at the end there. And, yeah. Um, but for the most part, they remain a lot more faithful. Israel is more flagrant in their disobedience. You, you could almost guarantee if you're talking about a northern king they were corrupt or Mm -hmm. disobedient or worshiped other gods or whatever. But you do have various um, Southern Kings that actually tried to bring um, the Southern kingdom back to a relationship with God, the way that he desired. Hezekiah was one of the good ones. I think Uzziah was good for a while. And, um, and so you've got a couple of those Kings that, that sometimes they started out well, didn't always end well. Um, but there are some good kings in the southern kingdom, as yeah, or at least uh, at least they try to make an attempt. But you also look at um, the house of Judah is what first took David in. So you also immediately like he was he ruled over the house of Judah before he became king over Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right from the get go, <laughs> you had the the Judah had the favor. Uh, within the Old Testament literature alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just goes to show on that they took more after their their King David than they took after, say, took, you know, some of the other kings that we've discussed along the ways. And all the names are blanking, but they're right here in the first one. Like Joash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they took uh, more after David's way of life um, to an extent. Now, how how does this relate with God's relationship with Israel then? Why did did you get anything about why it is that they named this kid not loved or this daughter not loved? Um the things that um were brought up mostly were basically what the translation is and mm-hmm. that it was more likely uh the first child and we talked about this was Hosea's and this uh 
daughter is not Hosea's. Right. So it kind of drives home the point more that like this is an illegitimate child that she has done what Israel is doing. Israel is going off after foreign gods or basically being adulterous with foreign gods. And, uh, you know, God's using this as the demonstration or the the object lesson right. uh, of, hey, it's the same thing. Like Israel is going off after uh, people that are not uh, his people. That's my phone again. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> Israel is going off after people that are not or af- after false gods. And then the same way she is the product of a false God okay. basically, or a a different person. Okay. Yeah, and I got so um, Elizabeth had mentioned um, how she utilized the the idea of in Exodus and even in Deuteronomy we see this this tender love for um, Israel, their people, um, and the patience and, and the tenderness and the love that that had been a part of the relationship between God and Israel and, and especially in Exodus. Um, really throughout the continual disobedience is finally gone. Um, And so she kind of took it from uh, one time there was that 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 tender pity and sympathy for their for Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is no longer there. Um, and so now they are, are not loved. And so that's kind of kind of where she went. And she's like, well, here's where it started in Exodus. And here's where we are now after the very long oh. span and continual disobedience that continued to happen. Yeah. And I think there might be something later. Don't quote me on this, but I think there's something later about the there's that generational. Like it comes to a generational Gosh, I think the, that's alluded to again that like these people are like this generation being where ah, I can't remember. Well, okay. well, if we cross that bridge, we'll come to okay. it. But I think I might have a note on In that. In Hosea? Yeah. Okay. All I, right. might, I might have a note on that. I'll have to see. All right. So with that, let's go on to um, close to the next kid. I think we've got like a, a little section in here and then. Yeah. Just read eight really quick and then I'll make a quick comment on it. Read eight right now? Yeah. Skipping seven? Did you not read seven? I didn't read seven. Oh, well, read seven. Okay. Oh, I jumped ahead and I commentated on seven without us reading it. Go oh, ahead. I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and read seven. Um, the people want to know. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe I did. I thought you did. Oh, yeah. I did read seven. I'm sorry. My fault. Yeah. Okay. Well, in case you hadn't, but no, I will I have mercy on the house of Judah and yeah. I will save them by the Lord their God. Yeah. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. Okay. I don't know if you read that or not. I, I jumped ahead and commentated a bit on seven, but okay. No, I, I did read that. Okay. Okay. Don't you love our, our organization today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's why we have those pre-production meetings. Absolutely, which lasted a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so verse eight and nine of chapter one. After she had weaned Lo Ruhamaha, <laughs> Gomer had another son. Then wait, wait, lo- stop right there. Okay, that verse right there says after she weaned, weaning was something that typically took two to four years oh, wow. to do um, in biblical. But the commentator wonders if this was to demonstrate a shorter period of time before she immediately went back to her other lovers hmm. to show that it was a consistent <clears throat> pattern. Okay. So, okay, go on. <laughs> so that means that you have a three-year-old, a two or three-year-old, mm-hmm basically asking their mama for milk it was a different world okay i just still a a two-year-old i could would not be surprised but yeah as they get older it seems to be a little bit more 
Mama, can but you take your shirt off? Yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Yeah. Not with the people here. Right. Yeah. But no, there's definitely a um, it, the idea here showing that it's a short... Don't fall asleep. Oh, sorry. Um, not you, the computer. Uh, <laughs> there's a short period of time before she's immediately back to her old ways. Okay. Because this upcoming announcement is another product. So go ahead and read nine right. now. And the upcoming <laughs> announcement. Then the Lord said, call him lo ami, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Hmm. Um, so I that, not okay. my people. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't know if there is any reference to Deuteronomy, but we just in right? exit Deuteronomy <laughs> And and you have the what what did they call them? No, the no people and the, the non people or non, something. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, so I don't know if there's any reference with that, <coughs> utilizing that that terminology. But I know that at least my mind went back to the end of Deuteronomy, where Moses was speaking and God speaking through Moses, where he's like, "You will be called not my people." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Huh, right here, do we see where we're?" You know, um, Moses's song or words was was very much inspired. And and you're talking, I don't know the the amount of years between that, but there's quite a bit. Uh, It's a couple hundred, right? Four-ish, hundred, three to four hundred, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the timeline. Because we're about 700 before Christ. Yeah. See, is there any dates on here? So, I don't know. So, anyway, we've got quite a bit of time between the end of Deuteronomy and the Hosea. So, again, I, I don't know if there there is any of that, but um, it, it wouldn't surprise me because God's kind of that cool in there. But, I, again, I'm not a, a language scholar by any means whatsoever. I was trying to get the date, but it's oh. slow. <laughs> okay. So, so with that, so not, not my people. Um, this was the third child. Um yeah, it's not worth it. No, it's not working. Yeah, it's I I don't know the dates on them off the top of my head. I should have I should know that. But yeah, I, I want to say it's a few hundred years obviously because we have some uh um we had some king changes during that time. I I don't quote me. 300 years? Okay. Maybe. So we got we got a bunch of 100 years. Do you want me to Gosh, I can't remember. I we yeah, used to know no. this. I know we did cuz I had to for a test. Yeah. <laughs> See, those tests don't work. You just got to test less. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, yeah, what else did you get from this section? Um, a, a summation of uh, nine could actually read, I do not exist for you. Okay. <laughs> can actually call his name, not my people, for I do not exist for you is basically what that comes up to. And, and uh, I think well, that's a like, I ain't your daddy. Like, don't ask me. I'm not your dad. I'm not here for you. That's that's rough. Kind of harsh. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's kind of one of those that, that isn't their language within the Old Testament. Like, I will be your God and you shall be my people. Right. And and I think that's part of the covenant promise originally. And, and it's almost like a marriage covenant between God and his people. And if I remember correctly in Deuteronomy, if we go back, there was that aspect of of God will be or there, there's an aspect of obedience that, that comes from Israel's part in, in that relationship and in that covenant. Mm-hmm. And I think here we see an unfaithfulness um, within Israel continuing to be disobedient. And many times in, in Deuteronomy, we see where, where God says that there will be no other God but me. Um, and Yahweh is very clear over and over and over again that they should not go after other gods. 
However, in the exact same part where he says he uses the words, not my people, he also calls them no gods. Um, so, you know, we yeah. kind of see even in that same section where <clears throat> they're told to not go after other gods and, and their continued disobedience throughout time really, well, I guess kind of shows that 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 same idea of what Gomer's probably going through is that continual um, unfaithfulness um, to to her husband, Hosea, where, I mean, we see in our own relationship with God, um, Israel's continual unfaithfulness to God as they chase after other gods, um, those no gods or, or other things. And eventually God says, okay, well, um, at that point then, um, no longer, or what was the term again? Not my people or... Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> You're not my people and I'm not your God. So I don't exist for you. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which is pretty harsh. Um, but I had to give, when, when you think about it, it'd be hard if my wife was continually unfaithful over and over and over again. I and love my wife. And bore two kids. Whew. That would be very, very yeah. difficult. Um, so, I mean, I give, I give Hosea props or, or definitely you've got Yahweh, the spirit moving through Hosea to be able to um, be this obedient um, and, and being able to to be the example for yeah. Israel's whoredom. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So is there anything else that kind of stuck out for that? or No, that was really it for those um, couple verses there. I just thought, once again, I, the commentators believe that these two kids are probably not actually Hosea's. And with the names, I think you can see that. So mm-hmm. I think I'm in agreement with what they're saying as a non-scholar. Yep. I will agree with the scholars. Me too. So, All right. So with that, let's go from 110 to 2-1. Yeah. So these kind of lead into each other. Kind of a funky chapter break here. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will be united and they will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. Well, that sounds kind of opposite of what we've just been talking about. Yeah, there's like this reunification and reconciliation that is being hinted at and promised at again. And so we kind of see like the opposite happening from what we were from the names of their kids and what God had just said. We kind of see the opposite now happening where now we're going to see Israel's population be like the sands of the sea. Well, those are that's a a lot of people. So, yeah, that's an Abrahamic covenant words and the very prosperity that they were finding with Baal. They're actually now finding with God because, I mean, when your numbers are growing as a nation, that that shows, I mean, is that part of the fertility idea of, of providing from your God or? Right. That, <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, I, yeah, it's kind of that. It, it, yeah, because there's a few other little swipes at Baal in here where it's like, here's what the real God can do mm-hmm. um, versus what your false fertility can do. And we'll definitely get into that in chapter two absolutely um but yeah there's uh so i lost my train of thought talking <laughs> about so they will be seen as children of god so right here they you with their names you almost see israel being rejected by god and rejected as mm-hmm. um as 
being rejected by God as their children, um, ruled by one head. Um, specifically, that would be Yahweh. Uh, um, did you did you get anything about the the day of Jezreel there? Because um, I didn't have anything specific, but I, I but I was immensely interested in. Is he saying that they'll be reunited under the true? Because <laughs> you're looking at the true banner of Judah at that point. Because if Hose, well, Hosea was. So, uh, I don't and, know. and it gets back. Is in, that a messianic kind of? So it gets back into Jezreel again in chapter two, also near the end of it. Um, uh, and, and I, I put, <laughs> and I put that it was it was slightly weird. So, like my note says, it might seem weird that we have a passage of judgment and that discusses uh, Jezreel, which we talked about last last week. With oh shoot, who is the who is the person that was blamed for Jezreel? Oh, Jehu. Yeah, Jehu. Mm-hmm. And say so Jehu ends up getting um, basically yelled at for for whether it, he took the killing too far or whether he tried to get rid of the the Canaanite worship and then ended up going joining and it. joining it. Um, so for whatever reason, and so I was like, well, it's kind of weird that we're going from well here you're going to be punished, but then this thing of restoration only a couple verses later. Um, and so I didn't really have anything that concluded that thought, um, but that was just my own notes of, hmm, it seems weird. Um, I'm trying to see if I have anything else in there that, that explains that. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe mine will get back into it when I get deeper down into two. But I didn't, I just, uh, I just thought it was interesting. That it says, great shall be the day of Jezreel. I mean, I, I, I was wondering, was that like a messianic pointing? Was that a... Uh, you know, was that a uniting under Judah as opposed to Israel? Are we looking at Jezreel as like a symbol of the southern kingdom? I don't know. Yeah. I have nothing. Cause, well, because it <laughs> says, uh, let's see. Uh, um, in the place where you are not. Um, oh, the um, the people of Israel will be reunited. Um, they will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got at least in that where they will be united. So you're talking the northern and southern kingdom, which have right. been separated for so long. We're going to see a, a reunification with them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess we see where, where God kind of tears them apart here and then kind of restores them over here, which uh, I think is a pretty common theme within uh, most of the, the minor prophets. Yeah. Um, so I did have that she mentioned land. So this will, uh, it, that becomes a big theme in two, mm-hmm. but go on. Sorry. So in land, they're not necessarily talking about, um, they're going to retake it over through military victory or, or take possession of it. Um, land in Hosea always refers to the land in Canaan. Um, so they're not necessarily going to be delivered from exile. Um, according to Elizabeth, she says, rather the meaning is found also in 223, they shall spring and sprout up from the land, referring again to the increase of population for great is the day when God sows, um, here, here's the source of light being Yahweh, not Baal and, and, um, Baal being, they're basically fighting Baal, a fertility religion, and ultimately God is claiming Ultimately, God is claiming. Uh, we've got all kinds of distractions in there. Phones tonight, man. We need to put them in a drawer. Um, God is claiming to be the giver of life, um, to be the one that that um, provides the is the provision for their source of life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. Because, <laughs> well, like I said, we'll really, we'll really hit the the land piece hard here coming up in the next couple of minutes. So, so all right. Um, the right there in the first verse in chapter one. This is a uh, chapter one or two. Sorry, chapter two. Um, this is kind of a, a twist at what you typically see. A lot of times, you see the prophet speaking on behalf of God with a "Thus saith the Lord," saying, "This is how it is. This is what's supposed to happen." Thus saith the Lord. Um, you get kind of that God will talk to the prophet and say, proclaim this to them as you're saying it to me. But in this case, God is saying uh, to Jose, say to your brothers. And this is a, a, a little bit different than what we typically see. It's not like a, it, it's a different, it's more of a, as opposed to like a, I'm trying to give a good example. Um, typically, a prophetic thing might look like um, tell the people that they are my people. Thus saith the Lord. In this one, it's God saying, say to your brothers, you are my people. So he's telling them what they're supposed to say to each other. It's just a different dynamic than what you typically see in the prophetic books. Hmm. It, it's it, it. This sounds more like something that you would, you know, coach somebody on before maybe a an event or something like, hey, go out there, shake some hands with some people, you know, give some hugs, pats on the back, you know, high five, make them feel like family. It's kind of more of a, that personal coaching vibe than a proclamation that we would typically see from a prophet. So it's a, this is one part that, uh, you know, my commentary was like, hey, take note here. This is different. It's different than what you typically see. So. Now, <laughs> now, now going into two, we kind of have a setting, which is also not like your typical um, situation as well. Um, so I don't know what you got for, for chapter two, um, but I'll kind of at least give the setting um, as, as the author of my commentary had, had mentioned. Um, she mentions this as being kind of like um, a court of law. Yeah, so, mine did as well. And I wasn't buying it as much mm-hmm. as they were selling it. See, I, I didn't get that. So here's, okay, here's what she wrote. A very interesting court system. <laughs> yeah. So she wrote, um, so for the words, in a, so these are the words that would be used in a court of law. Um, she indicated by the initial imperative verb, ribu, which often has the meaning go to court, but which is in this context means plead or accuse. Um, so Yahweh, the aggravated husband, has taken Israel, his unfaithful wife, to court. But this is a very unusual court case. Instead of filing for divorce from his harlotrous wife or demanding the lawfully stipulated death penalty for unfaithfulness, mm-hmm. Yahweh instead pleads with Israel to amend her in order that she may continue to be his wife. This is a love that will not let her go. So this was these were kind of the words that she used to describe that, how this was a setting of a court case. Yeah, that's very much how it was said in my comment. It almost sounds like some of the same words they probably cite each other i guess so, yeah <laughs> but yeah um i thought it was just hard for me because it if it's a court case i could see how this would be like a, a twist mm-hmm. like this is less my cousin Vinny, maybe right <laughs> like this is not like how we would see a court case in america and this is definitely not how one would probably typically proceed in the ancient near east so it's hard for my mind to wrap around that and i was having a hard time understanding that imagery so I mean, I like guess the, the prosecution would like to say, "Stop doing this." You know, it just doesn't make right. sense. You know, so why would you take him to court in general? Right. 
but uh, but I mean, I guess so. And I don't know if there's like language and, and if you're thinking that to be accused of a crime, you must have witnesses. And maybe those need to be brought before a court of people or a judge to say, OK, you have been accused of being a harlot or unfaithfulness. And so maybe maybe that has to be brought out into the to the light or the court system for um, for those charges to be brought against. Um, but I guess instead, I mean, he's got every right to to, I guess, ask for the, the legal death penalty or to um, get a divorce, but but chooses not to. I don't know. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think like back to like Deuteronomy and some of the other things that we've studied. Yeah. Um, it's kind of one of those that, that I guess it would it need to be brought before the elders or brought before certain people to say you've been unfaithful and for it to be known in public. Uh, I mean, that might be, that's a good way to put it. I think. I don't know. I know. I know my response would be much different. Um, yeah, I, this is like, this is like the dramatic <clears throat> TV court case where, you know, the lawyer finds out that he has to put a good friend on the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides to approach it differently. So we have this, I don't want to have to do this, but if you force me to, but instead of doing it in private, he's doing it in front of the, the, right. you know, the courts. I don't know. It's, it is interesting. It's just not our typical dynamic no. in America. But I mean, I guess I see if God wants to plead for the relationship to work, I would almost see where that would be just, uh, I mean, as we go through the rest of two, you're going to sit there and go, Oh wow. So, so that must be a God who genuinely loves his wife and, and his wife being specifically his people or Israel. So, I mean, I think that definitely says about the, the power of, of God's desire for a good relationship where he can be our God and we can be his people. Yeah. And this is a, it, do we want to just start jumping into some of these? Sure, let's go for it. Um, yeah, these are some... This is going to sound weird the way I'm saying this because uh, my commentary made a point to show how these are not anti-woman or like misogynistic or even, as they put it, pornographic passages. Mm-hmm. But these are actually... One thing we have to keep in mind is the imagery here. So as, as Scott reads this, Remember that the imagery is basically an allegory or an allusion to the to the land and not to a physical person. So with that being said, I find a lot of the imagery here mind blowing in a poetic and almost scary yet beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to walk on eggshells because I know when you read it. Okay. well. The NIV version, I'm not sure if it's as, it's pretty harsh in the ESV, so I can't remember how the NIV put it, but go on. So (laughs) chapter two, um, verse two through four, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. And I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Yay. (laughs) So, um, ouch. Kinda. 
Um, they're definitely he's definitely uh, as the saying goes, calling a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not mincing words. I'm gonna help you out. There you go. Okay. Um, he's not mincing uh, words here. He's not. You know, the, the he's he's the gloves are off. He's mm-hmm. he's swinging. Um, probably a bad choice of words to use. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah, he's he's being honest with her, and but it's for a good reason. Yeah. I mean, what he's saying here is like, I am, I am God. I have the ability to control what happens to you. And if you do not return to me, and if you do not repent, this is what's going to happen because you're going to trust something that can't stop it as mm-hmm. opposed to the God that can stop it. And then what we're going to find out actually in, is even in a couple of verses, well, I'm not going to give it away, Yeah. Um, but we're going to see why God does this. Yeah. 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 So once again, it comes down to that. It, it could be a little bit, it sounds vicious, but if you see the actual right. reasoning, um, the, uh, first one like in that in that second verse somebody he says that she put away i think you said the adulteress from her face well how's um, the niv so mine says NIV, put <laughs> put away her whoring from her face so the niv says let her remove the adulteress look yeah. from her face and then is that the what the esv says ESV says remove her whoring from her face okay so it's a interesting word so did you get the kind of the picture that's being said there yeah so with the the end of the second verse here it's basically she's flaunting her sin um when she's like you know has a whoring face (laughs) um or she has adultery from between her breasts a couple of things that are uh telephones um a couple of the things that are uh spelled out there are basically um the the imagery of her face is that she would have put on uh, makeup and things to become more attractive as maybe like the temple prostitutes to kind of identify with them. Um, and she would be flirtatious, uh, you know, maybe give a guy a wink or, you know, something to kind of let him know that she was interested. Mm-hmm. Um, she might wear jewelry that is adorned, um, drawing attention specifically like to her chest or something like that. Uh, those are all things that he's saying like, remove that like remove the the flagrant adulterousness from your nature um we could sum it up as like quit dressing like a hooker (laughs) you know that might be one way you could put it uh or you know that outfit is very revealing and it looks like you're you know trying to attract uh, a certain kind of attention that's the kind of things that we would say he's describing here um does that also go with the unfaithfulness between her breasts uh, what I read, the, what I got there is um, re, that is once again removing all appearance of adultery. And my commentator said that it was very common for temple prostitutes to wear. And I actually remember this from Job. Uh, the book of Job had something very similar mm-hmm. uh, to this uh, jewelry that would draw attention there. Like it would basically like maybe it would cut down the cleavage line or something like that. It, that it was like drawing attention. That's what my guy said. That's what I have also. Okay. So yeah, yeah um, I was just yeah throwing it out there to the, see. Okay, what what did you get from that? P- Professor Dyke, uh, Dan Dyke from the now defunct Almater, <laughs> uh, said that uh, the verse where Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not, uh, how's he put it? I will not commit adultery, I think. Mm. Uh, the covenant with his eyes that Job is referring to there is similar. Mm. Um, it's, he won't look at the temple trinket that draws attention to uh, luring him into a temple prostitute. Right. Okay. So, yeah, it seems like that kind of matches with what, and I trust 
whatever Dan Dyke says oh gosh, until yes. he proves himself an apostate, which I don't think he ever will. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> he is one of the smartest and wisest men I've ever gotten a chance to meet. So, And definitely one that, that his actions and his everything shows that he's very much a man of God and mm-hmm. very humble. Um, yeah. Where if there's anyone that should not be humble... Um, it's a man that reads three languages and hieroglyphics. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if there's anyone that can brag, I feel like he can join Paul in saying, you know, if there's anyone that can boast, it's me, but I can't. Um, and then that he's very humble in the way that he yeah, teaches, um, the way that he speaks of scripture and the way that he speaks of God, which he didn't, he didn't, we, he would either read from the Hebrew mm-hmm. or he would speak it from memory. Yeah. He did not have that. It needs to be an ESV, NIV, or whatever. He would either do it from the dead language, or he would do it from his brain. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's the guy was amazing. But he, same idea, said that you know the temple prostitutes often would adorn themselves in a way that would you know entice you more. And what God is saying here is like, no, stop that. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I couldn't imagine like if my wife was like that. You, you know, like basically openly inviting people in and not having any shame in it um, and acting like, you know, a temple prostitute. We don't have, you know, or a prostitute period nowadays. Um, It would be, it would be very interesting or something I don't ever want to live through. But once again, is Hosea seeing this and he's sticking with it. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see how that man handled it on the inside. You know, I, God, well, married. Now she's flaunting it. See, see <laughs> I'd have to say that, like, so although God had the option. I will say, sorry, one thing. There is to say this text is not necessarily written to Hosea's wife or about her. This text is written to Israel about Israel. So I should quit saying, quit putting it into that perspective of Hosea because this section in no way is actually alluding to her mm-hmm. so i i need to kick that out sorry well, go if, on. but if yeah. i was say if i was god which there's lots of good reasons i should never be um it's one of those that, that i'm thinking okay just even in my own okay so i guess the death penalty was a, a possible um a possible outcome for unfaithfulness within the old testament and I'd have to, I, can, I can't even imagine um, how many people I would shoot and kill if, like, my wife cheated on, on various people. I mean, I, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't think it would be an easy thing. So, so for God to continually see our unfaithfulness and not just instantly take us out, mm-hmm. because this isn't even just like, oh, this happened once, twice, three times. You see... Israel's continual disobedience um, and 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 part of what he's addressing here is with the, with the makeup idea and, and the unfaithfulness between her breasts this isn't just like you know just out of a whim I decided to go ahead and maybe pick up a prostitute this was she was um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for she was purposefully seeking yeah. out um, a lover that was not her own with that was not her husband and and that's kind of what we continually see of israel is they are going israel is going out and continuing to seek out a lover that is not yahweh and and that continual jealousy although could very easily um both by the law and also by 
well, for me, it would be anger <laughs> <laughs> going out and, and um, taking judgment upon those that were involved in in this harlotry. That that would be a difficult thing. And yet God chooses not to. Right. Um, he instead, in this case, pleads for her to come back into a, a relationship with yeah. him. Yeah. And to, to hey, man, put that aside. And we get into um, like verse three and we're getting a little short on time. So do we want to go into it or? So I would almost say. Because I can do three, but I don't know if I can really get into anything past that. Um, Time's ticking. Yeah, I feel like, no, we probably should end with four. Okay. Uh, so we'll pick up at three next time or we should go um, through three I'm now. Sure. No, so let's stick with, let's end with three. And then I feel like... Okay. So what we, are we picking up next time? Are we starting with three next time? Or? No, we'll start with four. Okay. Because right? I feel like three kind of fits into what we're talking about now. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. No, I Yeah, because three, three kind of cross... I have, unfortunately, if you look at my notes, I cross over... Be- okay. Because I was I like... I cross over between them. Because... See, I have a lot of the similar colors marking right. between them. <laughs> so maybe we'll pick up with three. Okay. So maybe we'll pick up with three next time. All right. Yeah, I thought we'd make it farther, but this is a lot more yeah. than I anticipate every time. And, and, and bear with us, because like this, this is new for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose is a very different book than Deuteronomy. It's a very different book than what I've typically studied. Yeah. Minor prophets, I tend to read through, like okay, mm-hmm. like but to dig deep into it's a little different. Yeah. And so and and I I find myself still kind of knowing how we went through Deuteronomy and and really Hosea. Um, is a little bit different of a book, both in study, but also even in discussion. Yeah. Um, and some of it just being above my head, not necessarily from understanding it, but trying to re-communicate it in a more condensed format. That's kind of a difficult thing to do. Right. Um, so bear with us um, as and, we, as and we the, jump into Hosea. Yeah. And I'd say that like if, if and no disrespect to Michael Grassani, that commentary was on like a senior in high school level. Mm-hmm. I feel like this Hosea one, even though it's probably not the most academic, I feel like this is some college level minimum, like commentating this mm-hmm. guy has. It's a lot more like reading through. It's a lot thicker. It's, okay. it's drier in some cases, but it's also very academic. I find she does a decent, she, she's does a decent job of it. But then me trying to take what she already very well communicates and try to put that into a discussion <laughs> and then just remember it all because like right. you've got a lot of history and you've got a lot of background and so it's um, so it's a challenge but but I think we can make it through and I'm and I'm kind of excited about the future weeks. Yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying this book a lot more than I thought and mm-hmm. I feel that everybody reading a minor prophet or any of the prophets out there. Don't be afraid to seek out the smart people to help you. I usually yeah. say, digest it, chew on it a little bit. But I think that's when people quit. Mm-hmm. But when you, if you can kind of take this and digest and chew and then maybe seek out the right helps, whether it's a good commentary or a good podcast, yeah, um, I highly recommend it. So Cool. All right. But yeah. With that, we're, we're short on time. So sounds good. Thanks for listening. We'll pick it up next time. <laughs> Slowly but surely. All right. So we'll start with chapter three or verse, verse three. Yes. <laughs>